welcome back to Shade Podcast with me, Lou Mensah, and our ninth series where we'll explore the influences that shape black contemporary art today. Inspired by the tradition of the harmony between the lyrical and the visual, these artists' conversations reveal the people and the sounds that inspire their practice. There's a playlist to accompany the series, which was created for you by my guests. So enjoy this convening of spirits to mark the end of the year. Today I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Axel Cucutier, a multi-award winning creator who's been crafting sound, music and words to challenge the familiar and revive a magic in the mundane. Previously the creative director of sound at The Guardian, their work has featured on BBC Airwaves, Spotify and in physical spaces like the Barbican, Tate and Sundance Film Festival. They've received the Grand Prix Award, British Podcast Award, ARIA and Third Coast Award and many, many more. And some of you may know Axel from our work together, most recently Black Balloons for Tate Modern, our interlude podcast series on art and healing and wondering, where we walk with artists through art spaces and discover the works that inspire them. Axel and I share many similarities in the way that we like to communicate through sound over language. But for this conversation, we've tried our best to use words. And we start by hearing Axel talk about their work, A Mother Tongue, which is a personal essay reflecting on language, which Axel created for the BBC. And they also mention their work, Gatekeeper, where Axel discovers a new sense of self in the cosmologies, concepts and realities of queer and indigenous folks. And in this piece, we hear Axel say, somewhere between the narrow entry of who I am and what I seem to be lies a vast and nameless place. So it's this vast and nameless place that Axel and I visit in today's conversation. And as with all our chats, we veer into the abstract pretty quickly. But what you're about to hear is indicative of how we talk off mic. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. In things like a mother tongue and in things like Gatekeeper, I acutely felt the presence of another worldly feeling. And what I mean by that, I'm learning to refine or define that language a bit more by saying it feels multidimensional. I feel like I slip into a place where time is a physical landscape as opposed to something on a clock. So the past and the present and the future are just, it's just, it's something I can move through rather than sit in. And all that to say, essentially, it's like there's something boiling in me to find a way to tell the truth. That question, I've never had to really articulate. It's always been a feeling, a knowing feeling. So now having to put in the words that sense of communion with the invisible, one side of it feels extremely, I feel extremely self-conscious because it's like, oh, this is kind of like Axel's secret. But I know it's not because other artists have definitely spoken on it. So it's like finding the courage to be like, yeah, this is what I see. This is what I feel. And I think the language is more around feeling and trying to explain what I feel is always a watery thing. But yeah, the idea of telling the truth is the presence. It has its own frequency because historically as well for me, I <laughs> there's something about the way I say things that has made me worry about, am I saying something wrong here? Like there's a language thing, but it's, I, I can't help but feel like... You know, like what feels obvious to me seems absolutely devastating to someone else. And I feel like 
my craft and how I work in communion with what I feel from those forces is the probably the safest place to do that. And I think reflecting on this year, my time in Romania at a festival for my piece White Noise and that response and reaction to even someone telling me that I've given my piece the wrong title. It's just like, okay, there is something in this. There's something in what I'm doing when I find the courage to create and speak on and represent from my perspective that really activates people. And I think overall, that's a good thing. It's really interesting how artists can become so self-conscious in expressing this part of themselves as though there's like an anomaly in their functioning. Mm. <laughs> so many guests that I speak to, there's a kind of hesitancy in expressing their, like how they tap into their creative source and how they express it. And mm. I just thought, well, you know, this is the end of the year where if people are going to be feeling spiritual <laughs> like, mm. and they're going to be connecting and they're going to be communing and there's going to be, you know, there's like deep internal work that happens usually around the festive period, whether you're religious or not. And mm. I thought, well, that's why this is the perfect time to like give space to artists to be able to express like how they work. Using words for these processes is extremely difficult, but I think you did that beautifully. So thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> and now we're going to sort of get back into the present realm and talk about some forthcoming work that you have coming up. Mm -hmm. And you're the sound designer on a film which forms part of an exhibition that's coming to V&A East Museum in London, which opens in 2025. Mm. And the film is titled The Music is Black, A British Story, and it spans 125 years of black music making in Britain. And I'm just thinking when you're immersed in a project like that, that obviously is going to be highly anticipated by a wide array of audiences, the journey that you go on, like independently when you're working in a large project, like what does it reveal to you about yourself and your relationship with sound at this particular point in your journey as a sound artist? Hmm. The first thing that came to mind was how much I love being Black and how much I love being African in terms of the grand contribution to... Well, yeah, put it this way, a grand contribution to Western culture. There's something that cannot be imitated. I don't know, there's something deeply bone and marrow in the technology of sound and how it's communicated and how it informs being and being alive that everything that we love, everything that we take for granted, everything that we exploit is Black, essentially, however complicated our relationships are to it and however overlooked and under-recognized it is in the mainstream canon. That to say, I'm not necessarily interested in being part of like this idea of like a mainstream canon because I think the whole canon serves a, a different type of fiction. But I feel like it's still important and beautiful to recognize that that contribution, that African contribution, that Black contribution, and that we do exist. It's weird to have to, to, to say that, to be reminded of our existence. But I feel like, yeah, as a sound artist, the medium itself, there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of power to it too. And this is it's something I don't take for granted in the ability and the power that sound has to communicate 
so many things. As you are probably hearing, words words is is such a clumsy thing and like sound can do so much more and sound and music can do so much more vibration can do so much more and working on a project such as that i feel like is a real crystallization of why it matters why the work matters and why it's out there to share it i don't think about who's going to receive it and how many people are going to receive it because that that would <laughs> that would definitely get in the way mm-hmm. um but it, it is a wonderful thing to then remember that I did do something like this and then you know connect with future friends and future other yeah future friends and future peoples who are just like wow what you did had this effect on me or wow this was really nice or I never thought of it this way or it sent me down a rabbit hole there that's what I profoundly enjoy and saying yes to those kind of projects just means that um yeah it's they're like they're like um what's what time capsules future time affirmations future affirmations that I will probably need or be reminded of, of like, you did that and well done, or you did that, look how it's affecting people. And you did that, look how it's holding people in community and et cetera. So yeah, it's an exciting place to be. Mm-hmm. I look forward to make these kind of projects to forget about them and then realize, oh no, you've, you've been on this journey and, you know, keep going. Well, another project that you were part of that you said yes to, which worked out wonderfully for me, was Interludes, where we worked <laughs> on together, which was a series that you created for Shade Podcasts yeah. uh, a year ago. And that was so connecting in so many ways for us, but also with mm-hmm. the guests that we brought into the series and then the audience as well. And one of those guests was Ming Smith. She uses music as a channel in the way that she works with light. And I think that's so beautiful. And you spoke Mm. to Ming for our interlude series. So there's that connection between you. And Ming was talking about in another interview how she feels especially connected to Billie Holiday, the singer. And I was thinking about a quote that I read where she said that when audiences look at her work, she'd love them to feel what she feels when she listens to Billie Holiday. And I've been thinking about Mm. that. It's about that transportation of our hearts, isn't it? It's from one heart to another. She wants to like open her her heart to the audience and share with them what she's feeling. What would your Billie Holiday song be that connected you directly with an audience so they can feel what's in your heart at any given point in your creative journey because obviously this changes doesn't it as we go along uh but like maybe now (laughs) you know at the point that you are at now yeah i i I love the the space that you you give for allowing uh, fluidity and flux to exist in answers because yeah like for me i I always temper my answers with like today this is my answer because it's definitely going to change but the first thing that came to that rose in my heart or that came to mind was love me or leave me that song it has been a vessel for me in the past and i feel like it's when when you ask that it's a vessel that came back immediately if it were somewhere to carry me or to carry i'd invite listeners to be carried into my world yeah love me or leave me will be that there's something about that line in um, I'd rather be lonely than happy with someone else. It's like, it's it, yes, there's, it's it's a romantic longing and romantic declaration, but I, I, I do love the ultimatum that she gives in that me, love me or li- love me or leave me or let me be lonely. That's it, yeah. Mm. I just, there's a simplicity in what she says. And I, I feel like sometimes in this world, in this, the way that the industry operates, I feel like there's a real, you know, I, I want clarity and I want simplicity 
in the way that I want to work and engage with people. And so like, there's a love me or leave me. I feel like there's, there's been a lot of this kind of niceties and performances of accolades and the proximity to a level of success that I'm perceived to have, for example, that means that I, I need to refine my ability to discern and trust. And, you know, I feel like Billie Holiday is all about the failure of discernment and like giving too much too soon or just all those <laughs> kind of classic things that the blues blues music has. That, yeah, I feel like right now it's that. Love me or leave me. I, I love that. It's going to go <laughs> on the playlist. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I'm putting together a playlist for the audience of the sounds mm. that the guests recommend yeah. so everyone can enjoy enjoy can, that over christmas i can give you one more if you want right now oh yes please yeah yeah, yeah. there was and there was another one again it's a it's an african-american one dark was the night cold was the ground by blind willie johnson there aren't any words in it it's the guitar and him humming um oh, and nice. it's uh it's i think for me that again non-verbal ex- human expression of just being able to say this is a situation. I believe this was the story behind it was that his house was uh, burnt down. The story around this is that it was a racist attack or either way his house was burnt down and he, he had nowhere to go. So he slept on the ground. Dark was the night, cold was the ground was essentially that. So there's a level of like, this is literally my life right now. But either way, whether or not that story is true or not, the human voice and the blues, I feel like it's just... Yeah, man, that's yeah, that nice. that was another one that came. And it's Christmas as well. So dark is the night and cold is the ground. So Yeah, yeah. so nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you nice. so much no. for sharing that. And what or who is bringing you energy at this point in the year as we approach Christmas? Liquid drum and bass has been something now that has like it's it's been like water to me. Well, Liquid drum yeah. and bass. Yeah, it's. <laughs> What's that? Come on, this is a girl You're... who's the, the original drum and bass. Yeah, what is this I, liquid like, li- that you like? These you contemporary kids. <laughs> What's this? I think the defining the defining quality of liquid drum and bass for me is how the bass sounds. There's this watery kind of warble to the mm. to the bass. That um, okay, so it's the bass and also how the hi hats sprinkle or splash. Nice. They splash. They splash over the beat. And there is a new wave of liquid drum and bass, but I'm not talking about that. There's something about my childhood. There was a there was a lot of it in the cartoons, drum and bass as a whole. So like from the Powerpuff Girls, the theme song for that has a jungle rhythm and Tsunami. But yeah, liquid drum and bass now has this kind of like nostalgic wave to where I want to be and exist. And yeah. Now the last question, Axel, as like we do approach the end of the year and this is Christmas and I'd like to talk about stillness and quietness. I just wonder if stillness acts as a anchor for you to your creative source. So like when you're still, you can connect with yourself, with your creativity, or do you use stillness as a way to disconnect and recharge and just connect with yourself and your surroundings and switch off from thinking creatively and Mm. connecting with your creativity? The body needs stillness to just stop. Just like, just to stop. (laughs) It's in a sense of like the mental swirling, the mental energy of just thinking, the processing, existing. Existence is the demands of capitalist everything is just 
yeah, it's a, it's a lot. So stillness, the invitation, the desire to reach for stillness is to just stop and not think and just to float. But that's what happens at first. And then it almost is like, there's almost kind of like a timed stillness because if it's too still, then <laughs> things start to float. <laughs> and those things that float <laughs> are things that are, they're, they're like crystallized feelings or, or crude feelings that are that exist in your psyche that are yet to be processed. And if you're too still, then uh, you you have to start listening to what they have to say, uh, which is fine. But, you know, like it's, it's, it's almost kind of like a not yetness of things. But then after that, <laughs> I will then accidentally, because it is involuntary. Like I ignore them enough where essentially it's like, Axel, you, so if you're not going to stop, then we are, because there's, there's too much here un, under here now that you need to look at and feel. Then another kind of stillness then comes where it's it becomes a healing stillness. It becomes a, well, it's not healing actually, it's disruptive. The healing comes with how I deal with it. There's a rupture in the stillness, a curational stillness to see what comes up is also another type of stillness that I invite and need because I realized when the disruption happens, I realized that it's actually water that I needed to drink rather than a volcano destroying everything. It's just like, oh, I've been walking in the desert and I'm thirsty. And, you know, it's, it's those kind of, kind of things when you disassociate for so long because of life, you mm. neglect your needs and they build up and rupture and therefore mm. it's like here's this life-giving water by force and you drown <laughs> and you come to life again but yeah so so, so stillness. stillness is good as long as you like utilize it and connect with it in a way that's useful exactly and yeah yeah I, it's i i'm always reminded once those ruptures happen that it needs to be a regular thing as opposed to <laughs> just ignore it until you can no longer um yeah <laughs> so it's, it's it's a reminder of that but yeah stillness is is, is like breathing that i pretend to not think I need. Yeah, let's, let's see what happens with yeah, this idea of stillness that we're entering exactly. over Christmas. Hmm. I don't know. I love how our conversations are so woo-woo. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they make perfect sense to me because that's why I ask these questions and you answer them like so beautifully. But I do ask these kind of questions to other people sometimes. It's <laughs> like, well, I don't know what, what you're talking about. <laughs> and I think really this should just be the Lou and Axel show. <laughs> I would be so up for that. Like, it's just like the show of realizing things, you know, I'm just like putting into words, like things that I just like felt. No, your questions are, are so I'm just like, yes, I need I need these questions because it's it, it rattles something that I have yet to name or it rattles something that I've been too shy to say or need the courage to say. And yeah, you just ask them plainly. It's like, okay, I'm gonna answer it. And mm -hmm. yeah, then you you I realize then it's just like, oh wait, this is not everyday speak. <laughs> Thank you for having Thank the courage you. to be open to hearing those type of questions and connecting with them and answering them and allowing yourself to be mm. vulnerable on this podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shade Podcast with Axel Cucoutier. I was so interested in hearing how Axel's sound works are their safe space where communication between them and the audience comes from a place of vulnerability but also courage and that the concept of connecting with presences beyond oneself is one that is very familiar to Axel. I enjoyed hearing about Axel's connection with particular songs and I'll be adding those to the playlist that accompanies this series. 
Be sure to check out their work, including the film piece for the forthcoming exhibition at V&A East and more using the links that I've popped into the podcast description. Subscribe to Shade Podcast to listen to all the episodes in this series. Also explore Shade Art Review on Substack, joining thousands of art-curious listeners like you who are discovering more about the work of visual artists from the Black Diaspora. There you'll find art listings, comment, artist spotlights and guest posts, and free subscriptions are available. But for the full Shade Art Review experience, sign up today to receive 20% off your annual membership, an offer which is available for the duration of this series. This series of Shade Podcasts was produced and hosted by me, Lou Mensa, and mixed by Tess Davidson. See you next time.